0: Good morning and welcome back to our faculty devotions for the 2020-2021 school year. Today we will continue our study of 1 Corinthians. So far in the book, Paul has established that the wisdom of God far exceeds the wisdom of man. The world looks upon the wisdom of God and believes it to be foolishness. But the wisdom of God is not just good advice. It is the outworking of God's power. God's wisdom actually brings about real world transformation that puts us as followers of Christ at a crossroads. We must choose, will we embrace the wisdom and power of God or will we be lured by the supposed wisdom and power of the age? In the passage before us today, Paul will explain why God works in the world the way he does by opposing worldly wisdom and strength with what the world considers foolishness and weakness. And he will reveal how we as the people of God ought to respond to God working in the world and in us in this way. Listen now as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26-31. through 31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong." God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. What Paul says in verse 26 may seem somewhat harsh at first glance. But what it is, is a call to humility, which results in a changed way of thinking and acting in the world. Remember that the members of the church were fighting with one another and vying for power within the church. This would have been disruptive and distracting. Instead of being messengers of the gospel, they were detracting from the gospel's power. But if they took a moment to truly think about their circumstances, they would see how ridiculous they were being. Paul reminds them that when they were called to belong to the people of God, not many of them were wise, powerful, of noble birth, according to the standard of the world. They personally experienced the way God works by taking that which is weak and foolish and making it strong and wise. But now they were turning their back on what they knew to be true in order to pursue the failing agenda of the world. The issue Paul addresses is not new to the Corinthians. It goes back to the very beginning. If man had not sinned against God, he would by nature pursue wisdom and power from God and in a way that was consistent with God's revealed will. But sin came into the world as a consequence of questioning God's wisdom. We see it in Genesis when Satan asked Eve, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Satan is questioning both the goodness and the wisdom of God. Eve was deceived and looked, and quoting Genesis 3, 6, saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. We see her rejecting the wisdom of God for the wisdom of the world. She saw the tree, and thought that it was desirable to make her wise. The root of sin is questioning God's wisdom and pursuing wisdom apart from God's revelation of himself. Given man's propensity to pursue wisdom apart from God, what does God do? He chooses what is foolish to the world to shame the wise. He chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. He chooses what was low and despised to bring to nothing the things that are. This work of God is most clearly seen in Christ. His birth was announced by the angelic host, but when the shepherds found him, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. He was the descendant of David the king, but he was not born in a palace or raised like a prince. The prophet Isaiah tells us, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. And even when he taught in his hometown of Nazareth, the people questioned and said, Is not this the carpenter's son? Instead of coming into Jerusalem to conquer, he came to die. Jesus was the epitome of Paul's description of how God now works in the world. But that work did not end with the coming of Christ it continues now in us and through the people of God. Paul wanted the church to embrace these means as the true manifestation of God's wisdom and power. Why does God do it this way? Paul tells us, so that no human may boast in the presence of God. The Westminster Confession of Faith reminds us that man was created to glorify and enjoy God forever. It is what God is worthy of, and it is what is best for us. When we stray from the wisdom of God, we lose that fellowship with God that was won for us on the cross. Nothing man has to offer deserves the praise only God deserves. Turning from the wisdom of God has profound consequences, as Paul shows in verse 30. Because of God, we have been united to Christ given wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Abandoning the wisdom of God calls into question all of these other gifts from God. I'm not saying that if we abandon God's wisdom, he will remove these things from us. I think that what Paul means is this. If we seek worldly wisdom and disbelieve the promises of God, how can we believe him that we are counted righteous in Christ? Sanctified by his spirit and redeemed by his blood. When we embrace his wisdom and these good gifts, we are humbled by his goodness and then we respond the way we ought, which is what Paul ends with in verse 31, quoting from Jeremiah chapter 9: Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. That is our calling. That is what it means to have the mind of Christ, to embrace the wisdom of God. The world may call it foolishness, but it is the wisdom and it is the power of God. In the hymn, Rock of Ages, we sing these words. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me Savior, or I die. We live our lives in humble reliance on the grace of God given to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and when we boast, our boast is in the Lord. Today, during our time of prayer, I want to pray for the ongoing health of our community. God has been good to us, but I want to seek his protection. And I will also ask you, To be praying for a good friend of sandy figari one of our grammar school teachers who is very sick with covid 19 and is struggling with breath we will pray for him now and i would ask you in the coming days to be praying for him as well please join me as we pray father we are grateful for your goodness to us we thank you for the way that you have preserved us i thank you for uh, our nurses and the wonderful job that they have done preparing the campus and preparing us to deal with COVID-19. I pray that you would continue to protect us. And Father, I pray for this man, this friend of Sandy's. I pray that you would bring healing to his body. I pray that you would put breath in his lungs. I pray that he would recover very, very quickly. I pray that your hand would be upon him and you would bless him. Father, again, we are grateful for every good and perfect gift that you give to us in the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.